This is part two of a three-part podcast. Hi, my name's Ryan. I've been a supporter of Paul's for many years now. I wish to get the podcast and video creation part of the system we call Paul back up to full speed. And I think Patreon support is a big part of that system. Go over to patreon.com slash Paul Wheaton. Make a pledge for each artifact that Paul creates. Again, the site is patreon.com slash Paul Wheaton. You can also find the link in the podcast notes. Enjoy the podcast. Okay, it's counting off. Um, All right, so we're going to continue with the woof discussion. And um, uh, I've got to start off by saying, like, like yesterday... I was rambling on about how um, uh, when I was uh, young, when I was 19, I was getting paid 3.75 an hour, and there was uh, 200 people waiting for my job. And how I, I tie that into the modern day thing about like, oh, I'm going to hire these, or I'm going to bring in these woofers, not hire, definitely not the word hire, but I'm going to bring in these, and it's going to be effectively free labor. So they're kind of, some people have this this thing, this thought that the that the people coming in are going to be like drawing from this pool of of, of um, willing workers that are um, all jonesing to come in, and they've got experience, and they've and it's like they're going to come in and and work hard because they don't want to lose their job, and it's like oh okay, it's going to be on that scale. And they're going to come here and they're going to work for me, only they're going to do all the work, only I don't have to pay them anything. I just have to throw them a couple beans and a few bits of rice, and I'm all set. And it's like, what a what a great deal. And so I want to... I want to make it clear that there are many people that are woof hosts that are like not thinking that at all. But for every one of those, I believe that there's a whole bunch more, like like maybe five or ten people who are like, yeah, free labor. I'm going to get these people to come in and they're going to do what I tell them to do, and I'm going to get all this stuff done. And so, and I, and I kind of feel like I th- I think that we're all agreed that that's not going to work out. Is that so? Ron's yeah, right. Ron's nodding his head up and down and shaking it. So decide I can't make out what the hell he thinks. Here, I'm going to give Ron a moment. Uh, so um, that was good clarification because what uh, the vibe I was getting is that this was like the thing that Wolf was all about is free labor, and that's not what I went into it for. And most of the farmers that I, I'm familiar with did not. But I do see a high percentage of people who are on the uh, host forum, host-only forum, that complain about um, the quality of the work they get as if they're hired these people instead of having them become part of a community or an event or or some sort of um, effort to gain uh, organic independence. Um, so I'm glad that I got that clarification from you, Paul, because I was a little worried that you were thinking, hey, this should be about free labor. And yeah, it's, no. uh, it just was, that's why I was shaking my head yesterday. That was residual shake from yesterday that you saw first. <laughs> said, no, that's not what it is. It was still shaking. <laughs> so anyway, it's up and down now. So yeah, oh, I get, okay. I get what you're saying. And at 375 now, I remember my first job was 220 an hour. 
Oh yeah, I I think I started off at 280 an hour my first job, um, and so but that but I was uh, that was a little earlier, and then uh, when, when I build up my skills, in fact, I remember getting paid 10 cents a bale to feed the cattle or uh, 10 cents a pipe to move irrigation pipe, uh, but that but I was 11. <laughs> okay, okay, so I'm just going back to when I was in ninth eighth grade. I picked tobacco in the Connecticut Valley, agricultural. Oh. So that was 220 an hour to start, but I was so good at it that I got up to 250 an hour during the summer. <laughs> yeah, that was pretty cool. I got sent to help all the widow ladies around us, and I got paid in sweet teas. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we could get we could get competitive on who got paid the least for doing farm labor when they, you know, got that one. Back in my day, I could. I could I build both ways. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <clears throat> I I I think it's important to say that that um, if you just think you're going to get that kind of labor, because I I know that when I showed up at the B.L. Davis Ranch, that um, I was well trained of years of experience of like you work hard and you and I the thing that always bothered me is like you do not put your hands in your pockets oh, yeah. <laughs> that drives me nuts because <laughs> I really want to put my hands in my pockets but it's like no you you run you don't walk you hustle you you uh, you earn that money and um, it's a whole different mentality so I th- and I and I do think that when you hire somebody, there is you you get some of that when you hire standard farm labor that has experience. Um, and uh, uh, but the but a woofer is going to not know that a woofer is going to have grown up a totally different way, and it's going to be and even after they get five years of experience, they probably still aren't going to be signed up for the whole hustle package. And I mean things are different now. Um, <clears throat> so. But I think that uh, part of the challenge that I had on Mount Spokane is that I had to uh, continue to uh, bring an income. Uh, to pay for all the things because we were just getting started and getting established and um, it's kind of like well it's a long time until this is going to really start paying enough money and so uh, I had to and then and then here we are and I'm like my ambition is even greater now than it was on Mount Spokane like 10 times greater and so I again I find myself I'm in my office beating on that keyboard trying to come up with enough money to, to pay for all of our projects and keep everything going but I, I am kind of excited and hopeful that that this upcoming year is going to be the year where it all shifts. Um, but that's a, we'll, we'll get to that. We'll get to that. The key is is that when we were before turning this thing on, Ron was expressing that I said something yesterday that didn't quite fit with him, and so I wanted to make make it clear. And um, uh, so I think we've got that covered. We're good. We're good now on oh, that we're one. Great. <clears throat> we're great. We're amazing. Okay. I have several more pages of notes to go over. The next thing that I, I feel I want to put, I want to mention, which is the next thing in my notes, is Jacqueline Freeman. So I have several podcasts with Jacqueline, um, and I've been to her place. And I think I have a video about Woof, uh, where it's got Jacqueline Freeman in it, and it also has Doug Bullock in it, uh, where they're talking about being Woof hosts and what to expect. And my impression from talking to Jacqueline Freeman is 
every woofer that she has ever had has been wonderful and awesome and excellent and there's never been a downside and it's been a beautiful experience all the way around and uh, and in stark contrast to that there have been several times where it seems like oh we're not going to do any woofers this year and I'm kind of thinking like but of course, Jacqueline Freeman is is a smiley, happy person. She just is is like she's been bitten by the smiley bug, and it just seems like she can't stop being exceptionally happy. So I I kind of wonder if that helps <laughs> in some degree to to make woofers be happy and productive and have the whole relationship be amazing. But I, and I know also that she she puts in very long hours, a good fourteen hour day every day, and. Well, even if you do have excellent woofers, it still <clears throat> takes time and attention as a host to manage them. And maybe sometimes you're just like, oh, we don't really need the help. We don't really, like, I'd rather have the quiet of not having to manage people. Yeah. You can take a break from it. Right. And I kind of feel like Jacqueline probably does not. She's, I think she's a, a worker bee. Uh, in fact, in her book, uh, it, it, she kind of talks about how she and Joseph now have this whole thing where they work all day. And and it's because that's what the bees do. Yeah, and so they and they don't. It's not about thinking about what's fair. It's about working all day to help your colony, and which I think is kind of a fascinating philosophical approach. But that's another story for another day. I just wanted to hit on what Josh Josiah said. Um, I agree with that because that's why I had taken time off from having woofers is because if you have several at one time and, you know, it's all this commotion going on, there's no private time at all. It's uh, It gets to be, for me, it got to be a little bit hectic. And as soon as I got rid of my last woofer, nicely, of course, <laughs> their time was up. Um, then I felt so relieved. But then after a while, it became, okay, now I need some help. I need to, you know, keep going and, and get forward again. And so it just, it was, it's a cycle. And for me, it was a cycle of, uh, of, of wants and needs. Yeah. Um, I wanted to address what you were talking about, about um, Jacqueline Freeman's just general positive vibe, because I think the host's kind of personality and state of being is probably more important than people get it, give it credit for. Um, when I had my woofers, for instance, I mean, I had recently become a caretaker for my paralyzed father and ended up taking over a large property and was very behind, so I suspect that they could probably sort of tell that I was screaming inside all the time, even though I was, you know, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> attempting to project, like, calm and good nature. Um, I, I think that probably put everyone on edge. I also think my woofers probably couldn't have been helped by much. They were pretty awful. <laughs> but um, if I were to do it again, I would definitely want to be in a better place myself, and I think that would help a lot. I, I agree with that. I think um, to have a good experience, it helps to be in a good place. And if you're kind of in the middle of some life shit, then um, it's going to it's it's going to make the experience for the woofers, you know, less. 
And, yeah. and so, um, unless, of course, you're Jacqueline Freeman, perhaps. Right. And, and, uh, uh, and so I don't know if you guys have ever, I don't think any of you have met her, but I'm sure you've met somebody like her that, that is just seems like somebody gave this woman happy juice when she was born. A lifetime supply. She just can't stop smiling and being happy and loving everything. Yeah. Yeah. And so, um, and I, I, I imagine that there's a lot of people that are like, oh, I want to go there. And, but I kind of got the impression too that she's like, yeah, we're not letting, you know, no, we're not doing any more of that this year. Um, and I, so I think, uh, kind of like what Ron was saying, I, there, there are times when it's kind of like, cause maybe part of it is maybe, maybe it's like, she loves to love people, but um, it also is draining to her. And then, and then when the people are all gone, and, and then, then she needs like a couple of weeks of like meditation to kind of <laughs> recharge or reset or Walk something. Walk around in the underwear or something, you know. Right? Yeah, some, something private. <clears throat> but the 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 key is is I do believe that um, there are going to be people that are going to have purely awesome experiences with the Woof program as it stands, and it's like I think it's worthwhile to explore how they do that. How do they have a great experience? Because I do believe that most people, and I'm going to go back to saying 90 percent, um, uh, are are of the position like I did it, and I'm never going to do it again. And it's kind of like all right, so we need to explore where did that where was their stumble that Jacqueline Freeman didn't experience? And there's other people that I think have a good experience. And so we're gonna, I th- and I've got, so we're gonna we're gonna talk about a lot of little details because like many things in permaculture, I think it's multifaceted. It's it's not just one thing that's a quick fix that you could fit into a bumper sticker. It's it's a buffet of things. So, <clears throat> all right. Next item on my list is um, uh, how to interview and select woofers or how to interview and select farms. Now, um, I, I got to say that um, when it comes to interviewing in this respect, so, you, so what you're doing is now Doug Bullock believes he will only accept people that bring something to the table. He he respects that they have no experience whatsoever on a farm, but surely they have experience with something. In fact, he's he's kind of adamant. Like he'll get 300 applications a year, and so one of the things that he looks for is they have to have one thing that they're good at, one thing that they're bringing to the table, or at least one thing that they're going to lie about and say that they have experience with. But usually if you're going to say I'm, that they have, I have experience with um, uh, building dog houses. I mean, that's kind of like, what an odd thing to have experience with. And it's probably not a lie. You know, whereas a lie is going to be like, I have experience doing exactly what you do. You know, it's like, I'm a little suspicious. But but it's like, if I have experience, I've built, you know, 200 dog houses. It's like, that doesn't seem like something that you probably made up. And it doesn't, but it's like, clearly you've held a drill and probably a hammer. And, um, you know, you know your way around some wood, uh, things of that nature. So it's like, that's that's a valuable thing to bring to the table, even though it's kind of weird. Um, anyway, how to interview and, and select. 
basically my experience is that the emails that I get, like 90% of the emails that I get on Woof are like a canned message that they have probably sent to 50 hosts. And um, and it seems like it, it, it seems like almost like spam. And and uh, so yeah, you're saying you're agreeing, so that's good. Yeah, it's definitely like spam. It it actually kind of reminds me of like when 50 people on like dating websites send out these like canned messages to like every woman on the entire site. <laughs> None of you probably know what this is, but I yeah. think we just learned something about you. Actually, no, I've never been on a dating website. Wait, but how? You've never been there, but you're talking about it's like that. I enjoy laughing at my friends as they okay. attempt to use okay. dating okay. websites. Right. So how many dog houses have you built? <laughs> <laughs> Two-legged or four-legged dogs? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, I, so, um... In my uh, corporate whore days, I worked as a software engineer, and uh, but I was a contractor, <clears throat> and that meant that I was I made myself disposable, which meant that I could be done anywhere on an instant, and they don't need to give you any notice whatsoever. No, there's no such thing as two weeks notice. It's like, you know, it's it's over as of. Now, <laughs> get your shit, get the fuck out of the building. <laughs> but that means that it's like, okay, instantly I need to go get in another gig. And, um, but I kind of felt like the, it was all about the interview and it's not about lying in an interview. It's about just interviewing well. Like you get these, you interview so often that you get very good at being able to answer all of these questions, which are all stupid and the same. And then at the same time, working within the organization, then I would hire other engineers and I got it down to a 10 minute process. And, um, but then I would ask, I mean, they're coming to me and they're saying, I have 10 years of experience. So then I could ask them very exact questions about the industry. And then um, and I asked them questions specifically because I wanted to see if they would try to bullshit me. So I picked questions that were a little bit on the edge. And it's like, okay, either you know it and there's the answer, but I wanted to have questions where it's like an edge case where they might not know the answer. And it's like, do they say the magic words that I really want to hear as an engineer, which is, I don't know, or... Uh, are they going to try and make something up and see if I'll buy it? And in which case, if they try to make something up, I won't hire them. All right, I'm getting way off into software engineering. But the key is, is that for a woofer, no clue. I don't know how to tell the difference between somebody who is a, 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 a lovely and decent, legit person or somebody who's just, I don't know, doing the spam thing and... Right. Well, Tell me what I want to hear. So when I when I um, sent out whooping applications, I definitely did the copy and paste thing. The <laughs> um, fucking spammer. And and so I think this is really interesting because you know like not all of those emails lead to terrible woofers because I was a great woofer. <laughs> I'm just going to say that you know like by the time I decided to woof, I had already worked on uh, commercial farms for five years and. 
when I went to hosts, I oftentimes knew things that they didn't and was able to like, you know, pollinate in that way. Or I was able to share techniques from other experiences that I had and I was able to like work independently and they were like, oh my goodness, where did you come from? <laughs> but I, I was totally sending the spam emails, you know, I was just like, but it was entirely, um, I would write out something about myself and then I just copied that and sent it to a whole bunch of farms. Um, and, you know, to, to get into the selectivity aspect of here, um, because of my experience working on commercial farms, I had enough experience to, to, to look at the Woof host page and determine whether or not they knew what they were doing. Um, you know, did they, were, were their pictures all about things that were um, really unproductive, or were they all about their dogs and their swimming pool, or, you know, like, were they actually about uh, a unique type of production that I hadn't seen before that I was really, you know, curious to learn about, or, um, yeah, so that, that was, that allowed me as a, as a woofer to pick some really great hosts. Okay. <clears throat> so it's a, it's a two-way street. And here we are we're we're talking about like getting spammed but yeah, you got to you got to be able to write that great that great um uh uh posting, the great ad, it's not an ad. What is it? It's a uh, your page about your site that's going to be appealing to the kind of people that you want. Um and I think I think there's a lot to be said for um uh sharing a lot of details in your Listing that uh, might drive certain people away. Mm-hmm. You know, um, uh, you know, we don't do things in rows. It looks like, you know, some people think it looks like hell. We think it looks beautiful. It's called polyculture, you know, or whatever. You know, things. And then we also spend time doing natural building, not just, um, you know, uh, uh, other places are going to be weeding, weeding, weeding. We don't do as much weeding. We still do some, more like chop and drop. But going off on a tangent again, the key is is that it's a two-way street. But my point is that um, when I get a message from a potential woofer, I can't tell the difference between somebody that's going to be amazing and somebody that's telling me what they think I want to hear. And um, and it's like, okay, well, if they're telling me what they think I want to hear, that's a sign that they really want to come here. And it's kind of like, not necessarily. And I think I think this might be a good time to mention the thing. Uh, for every woofer that shows up, there's I th- I'm gonna I'm gonna throw out a number here and I'm sure everybody's gonna have a different number for this but I'm gonna put a I'm gonna say a dozen there's a dozen that say they're on their way and they're coming and they never show up and so uh, getting to the point like you you stop your work for the day you drive to the airport to pick them up and they don't show up and you never hear from them again. And you kind of wonder, like, did they just twel- tell a dozen different farms that they're on their way, and at the last second they picked which one was the one they're going to go to? And I think my understanding is is that that's what a lot of them do. And I'm sure Josiah's going to say, I've never done that. <laughs> I've never done that. <laughs> well, 
I've never had that happen to me. Never? Okay. Never. Never to that extent where it's like they say they're coming, they're on their way, and then they don't show up. It's some. It's normally a week or two before they're scheduled to show up, then they say, oh, I'm not going to make it, or they stop communicating, and then it just goes away. Yeah. So it's not, it has never been me waiting at the airport because I'm 20 minutes from the airport, so I say, hey, text me when you, when you land. I'll come pick you up, or they'll drive in on their own vehicle. Like yeah. half of them drive in on their own, half of them basically you pick up at the airport or the train station. So on Mount Spokane, um, I had eight people coming, um, all in like this three-day window, and I bought a mountain of trees and shrubs. Uh, one person showed up, and um, uh, we just didn't. And so, yeah. Uh, <clears throat> It was. I was very panicked because we, now we don't have enough people to get all this planted, and so are some of these trees and shrubs going to just die waiting to be planted? And I'm going to have lost a whole bunch of money. Um, and uh, so what we've done here um, originally, uh, I think it was like within first. At first, we just like let everybody in, and we had a lot of the no-show rate. Then we switched over to what we called the gapper fee, and that was probably about six to eight months in. And basically, it's like you got to pay the hundred bucks. And this was not for woofers, to be clear. Oh yeah, woof would not. Woof doesn't allow you to do that, or at least I don't know if they don't allow it, or it's just not the thing. And so, for the people that wanted to come out here, we said a hundred bucks. And then um, uh, at least that way, we kind of felt like the no-show rate would be reduced, and it, it was dramatically reduced. But I'd say for um, every person who doesn't show up, there's probably, I want to say, two that do. And by doesn't show up, I'm, I'm kind of thinking like uh, that, that can come in many flavors. I, in fact, I'm going to say half the people who pay the gapper fee to come out here end up never coming out here. And um, out of all of those, maybe one in five or so, like like give us a flight number or say I'm going to be on the bus, can you come pick me up or whatever. And we actually, somebody, and I don't know how many, Fred's done most of this. Fred will go into town to pick somebody up at the bus or at the airport, and there are no show. And we have, like, we've been texting with them, and then their text just goes silent. And so clearly it was a mafia hit. That's what it must have been. They were involved in the mafia. This was going to be their whole hideout, but the mafia got to them before they got here. That's what I'm guessing has happened. But I kind of feel bad that it's like Fred goes all the way into town to go pick somebody up, and they're not they're not there. So, um, I just wanted to address the no show thing uh, because I also had quite a few no shows, but mine I never offered to pick anyone up. Mine was like, if you get here, I'll be here. And okay. that's kind of, that's how it went. So there was definitely a lot of dropped communication. I also didn't have internet and couldn't leave the house without finding someone to stay with my dad. So, like, communication was quite slow yeah. um, between me and the potential woofers. So sometimes they would just, like, sort of give up because it had been a day and a half since I contacted mm. them. Um, and the internet moves fast. But I definitely had um, quite a few no-shows as well. Did you want I'm, to say something? I'm doing a drive-by. It's it's a third or less that pay the fee and don't show. It's oh, because you're looking at the accounting. Uh, yeah. yeah. I know. I know. Right. It's a third or less. <laughs> so maybe, maybe I... Maybe a quarter or less. Oh, wow. There we go. Uh, 
okay. That, that's what the that's what the gap that's with the gapperfy. But then now, are you saying that that's the ones that like? Because it seems to me like it's half the people that that just never show up. That it's like a lot of them are saying like, oh, I was gonna be there. I told I know I told you I was gonna be there in August, but now it's gonna be November. And I know I told you November, but now it's gonna be January. And then they just stop talking to us. In all time, that's a third or a quarter or less. But it's it's been higher frequency lately, so it seems like half lately. Okay. But I don't think it's even half lately. Okay. So there. All right. There. I know I know that people have paid the hundred dollars, and then Fred's gone into town to get him, and there's been nobody there. And then he just had to drive back without people, which is kind of a weird feeling because you're like, maybe they're late and they're in a place where their phone isn't working. Maybe I should just wait in town for a few more hours and just in case like something happened. And, you know, it's like and after a while, it's kind of like, no, it's been 15 minutes. (laughs) I'm out of here. I waited and they could have texted me, but yeah. (laughs) <laughs> one of these days is maybe maybe Jennifer maybe you'll be the one going into town and picking people up and getting to be like uh, yeah. you know Poor <laughs> I'd still I'd still be at the thing that says hey you get to move wherever you're going and uh, we'll pick you up but call us from there right. text us from there All right. we need no shows so uh, well yeah we could do that and just say when you're there text us we'll be there in half an hour and and we'll we'll be there to to, to get you, we'll go down there and get you. Um, but uh, and that way, you know, at worst, you might end up having to wait until we, you know, get get in the car and head over there and whatnot. So it might be a delay, but we've just been burned enough. And I think sense of the past. I do think. Well, yeah, you must be. We've kind of got this funny thing that we do where we say you must be thoroughly punished for the actions of all of those that have come before you. Um, and and so, but I kind of feel like. Lately, the number of people who actually show up is good enough that I I'm I still kind of like the idea of going to town. No, on an, on an airplane though, sometimes the flight's delayed, and usually it's like, oh yeah, we're gonna also knock some errands out while we're in town. So I don't know. I I now coming back to the question, how to interview and select for woofers. Uh, do you guys have any thoughts? Mine is is like I can't do it. I've got I've got nothing. But do any of you guys got any tips? None. Well, yeah, go for it. All okay, right. yeah. So my thing is, even if I do get what is blatantly a cut and paste. Um, I'll respond anyway for the same reason Josiah said. It's like sometimes, you know, some you got a, a diamond in the rough in there, and you just don't know it. Um, so I'll respond, and I'll say, so thank you. F- <clears throat> yeah, I have a blanket thing. <clears throat> thank you for reaching out to the farm on 277th. We are a highly specialized permaculture-based farm. I'd like to know what makes you interested in our particular um, farm. And leave it to them to come back to me. You know, give them a question, like what what makes you drawn to our farm? So they have to be specific. Now, if they did all this blanketing and they didn't look at the profiles, like Josiah's looked at the profiles of the farm, so he knows who he's going to, you know, blanket cover. Well, if they haven't looked at the profile, maybe now they'll look at the profile and then they either will come back with something intelligent or they won't. So I leave it to them, but I give them that opportunity. And at that point, if they do contact again, then we just exchange emails a couple times 
talk about timelines, get some specifics about what its expectations are, mm-hmm. that there's no easy job on the farm on 277. It's all hard work. I, I wonder if, if there's a good justification for the woofers to do the spam thing because they might send an e- like they might find their dream farm like oh this is the one all the others look weak compared to this one and then you send an, an email to them and you never hear back and so then you're like okay i got to i want to go someplace let me go and pick my top 5 and send them all emails and see if any of them even respond it's got it's got to be 10 if you want to actually hear back like um, from my experience when i was looking for places to to do the work exchange um, I, I think I sent to 15 farms, and I only got got back from, like, two or three. But then from those two or three, um, so, like, I landed on one, and then their friends had a farm. And so I even kind of just, like, skipped through the website and went, like, directly by word of mouth to a different one because they were friends with these people. So it was kind of interesting. Like, I used the website to, to land on one and then moved around from there. But... Uh, but I only heard back from a couple of people, and one of the places that I heard back from, it was like, yeah, we don't take woofers anymore. But you, you know, you still, have, you still have your 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 page is still up, and it still says you're accepting people, and yeah. Right. Yeah. So I maybe uh, the whole woof thing is a little bit like Jennifer's dating site. <laughs> Let's hope not. Um, (laughs) No, I was going to say, regarding selectivity, I wasted a lot of time just answering questions from potential woofers, but, like, not really interviewing them. Like, they had many questions that I would spend all my time, like, trying to answer, and then it would go nowhere, so that was a giant waste of time. I would not want to do that again. Like, I would want to have some kind of metric in the beginning, like Ron was saying, to kind of make sure they're actually serious before I spend a lot of time on them. Um, But as for, you know, separating the wheat from the chaff, I don't know really how to do that either. I can't tell if everything they're saying is true and they're great or, you know, if they're just lying. It's really hard to tell. The only thing that I did notice is, like, I think the ones who asked a lot of, like, I don't know, nitpicky questions about the food and accommodations and work, like, if they seem a little bit too concerned with how incredibly comfortable they're going to be, (laughs) um, that might be a bad sign in hindsight. I think it, it's it's clear from this conversation to me that um, this email communication takes time. You know, interviewing your prospective woofers takes time, and if you don't have the time or attention to to give it to that, then you're probably going to end up with a higher percentage of people coming to your spot who are going to cause problems for you. Yep. Yeah. So um, I kind of feel like a couple of the things that we've done is, first of all, we make the boot camp page now. Well, first of all, we call it the boot camp, which is different than Woof. And I kind of feel like that's going to thin out 90%. And it's like whatever you – because Woof, I think a lot of people are kind of like, I'm going to travel and I'm going to be able to experience different cultures and I only have to put in this little bit of work each day and I'll be able to do so much more with like drinking in the local, you know, culture and stuff. Whereas boot camp, it's kind of like, 
you're going to come and you're going to work long and hard and sweat and and it's going to but there's a lot of experiences that you'll build but it's you know through hard you know learn a little learn permaculture through a little hard work and uh, so I think the word boot camp is but I also kind of feel like we've got a massive page where we've written a lot of stuff and a huge FAQ followed by like 50 pages of discussion so it's kind of like I think that a lot of the questions that people were asking you Jennifer are going to be answered in this although I think a lot of people are going to be like that's so much information I don't have the time I'm just going to ask my question and then you know even though it's been asked seven times before Um, so there's that and then of course I am fortunate to have the Fouch video out there and that I think there's a lot of people that are going to be thinking about coming and they're going to be of like uh um, let's say questionable character and uh, they're going to be like looking at the Fetch video and be like oh, I'm not going to go there it's a cult and it's like uh, uh, the, there's going to be other people that are going to be awesome that are going to be like oh I'm definitely going there that's my cult <laughs> alright uh, the question on the table is how to interview and select woofers do we have has anybody else got any other tips for like what you can do in the conversation. I kind of feel like the thing I'm going with is I've written stuff which will help with that instead of asking questions because I I can't tell when people are lying. And it's like, I, I know it's like, wow, that... That answer was a great answer. Uh, now I can't tell whether it's true or the person is just saying that because they think that's what I want to hear. I have no way. So um, pretty much what I end up doing now is like they paid the hundred bucks, come on out, and then um, when they get here, we sort it out. And uh, originally there were there were some there was some dra- there were some drama queens, you know, early on. But now, thanks to the Fouches, that has been like pretty much nothing. And I kind of feel like too the 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 well, yeah. Anyway, it's been good. Okay, so back to me. When I get to the phone conversation, then that's when it actually kind of becomes an informal interview. Um, we'll talk a little bit about their area. What what they're in their life for, what they're doing, what they're trying to do, if this is going to be a long-term thing other than maybe someone two-week vacation, which happens a lot. Someone goes on two-week vacation, they want to woof out somewhere. And a lot of that is for travel, convenience, et cetera. But for the ones that are potentially long-term, um, I kind of try to feel them out to figure out where they are, if they're serious about it, and just ask the questions and open to them asking questions and being open and honest and having just a good conversation. Just talk to them like they're real people. People, which most of them are, uh-huh. and um, just just get a feel for it. It's you, you never absolutely certain, even after they get here to begin with. You don't yeah. know for sure until it's actually the process is is there. They're there. You're working together, uh, but it's just you got to be as selective as is appropriate for your situation. For me, it's highly selective. I take maybe one out of twenty in uh, woofers that come in because I'm, I, I won't take people that I've had. Uh, similar bad experiences with. But I will take people with no experience if they show me the right attitudes and uh, I, I get a really good feel that yeah. they're going to you know, really want to immerse in this permaculture experience. So in my days of interviewing engineers, I, if they said the magic words, I don't know, then it's like you're in. But I'm willing you're, to learn. 
I don't know, but you know, I'm certainly I would love to learn that or do that. To me, that that's helps. like that's like magic. That's yeah. that's like that's the good stuff. It's like oh, I can I can work with that. I can work with I don't know. I can't work with lies. And so, but now, so so Ron, um, uh, you've had oh, you've had generally very positive experiences. But of all the people that have told me their wolf nightmare stories as a host, no one's nightmare story has been as nightmarish as the one you've told. Now, I'm not saying let's get into it now or ever, but but I do I do yeah. kind of feel like as we're talking about the interview, the person that was the 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 biggest nightmare for you, and you know exactly who I'm talking about. How did they do in the interview? They did okay. They didn't do great. This was kind of early on. This is 2015. Uh, so I didn't have all my skills yet. After this experience, I certainly did. <laughs> so um, I did. I, I This may be saying too much, but I'll just say that I was uh, born and raised in New England, and this person was actually from a similar area, not too far where I was raised. So we had an instant uh, colonial connection. Okay. Uh, and I actually should never have considered that in the process of allowing someone on my farm. <laughs> okay. So. You, well, you should you should not allow people from the colonial America. <laughs> no, no, that I should not allow it uh, based upon the connection from early oh. America. It's a uh, you know I was just I was excited they were from Massachusetts. I said cool. You know I was born and raised there. We're having this conversation. Ah, come on out. So you started seeing stars in your eyes because you felt this kinship. Yeah. Because he was from a similar area. But and you should not have let yourself, you're saying, you should not have let yourself get those stars in your eyes. You should have been objective. Yes, absolutely. And uh, the true meaning of this word, he is. He is a mass hole, and I am not. <laughs> <laughs> I have never heard mass hole. Okay. <laughs> So, uh, any other advice about interviewing? Nope. Okay. Uh, I got a note here, which is a little bit of a deviation from our topic. And, um, uh, yeah, sorry. And, um, and that is that recently I have come to a place where I want to shift my vocabulary a little bit, just for me personally, and, I, and I'm going to express this. We talked about this a little bit the other day. I want to express it, and I'd like to hear your guys' feedback, and that is that I, uh, in the world of permaculture, for all the different permaculture things that permaculture people love and do and whatnot, I am choosing to move away from the phrase permaculture farm and for what we're doing here, I prefer to refer to it as permaculture gardens, with emphasis on the plural of gardens, because I think that here at Base Camp we'll have a garden um, up at the lab. Then Jennifer, you'll have a uh, garden going at Allerton Abbey. Um, Fred's going to have his garden. Um, uh, the different each of the ants are going to have a garden. Uh, you know, etc. etc. Each spot is going to be a garden, and there'll be somebody there loving that space. And they'll be expressing their vision of permaculture and seed and soil. They'll be doing, they'll be conducting their own little symphony, their own little romance with nature. And so for me, rather than farm, rather than permaculture farm, I want to say permaculture gardens. And I, I kind of feel like farm is going to be a little bit more like, okay, our, our primary mission here is to earn money. And um, so, which I'm, 
great. I'm I'm a big fan of people using permaculture to earn money. That is that is awesome. But I kind of feel like permaculture garden says I'm going to grow a garden and feed myself. And then if there's anything left over, I'll sell that. And it's like that's more aligned with what I would like to see personally. Um, but I want to kind of get the just while we're on this topic, I just want to get some quick feedback on this. And it seems like Ron, you've got something there. Yeah, I really like that. I'm I kind of I'm tied into the name of my farm as being a farm, but uh, in my profile for Woof, I consider it uh, I call it a permaculture playground because I didn't really want to get tied into the whole entity of a farm. I do like the idea of gardens. Um, I also uh, use the terminology growing systems. Like we have various growing systems, culture base and, and other growing systems extensively on the farm. And so I, I kind of do like the idea of turning it more into the garden thing, which I think personalizes it a lot more than a farm. I think a farm is a lot more impersonal mm-hmm. and a garden seems like this is something that could sustain oneself. Yeah, garden seems more like there is one person who is developing a relationship with this patch of land. And um, whereas farm seems like there is one person who is in charge of many people over this all this acreage. And I don't know, I'm going to, this isn't exactly true, but I want to say there's maybe a little bit of this. Uh, making Mother Nature your personal bitch. Like, I'm going to force this food to grow here, then I'm going to rip it out and sell it, and then I'm going to scrape, I'm going to I'm going to do scorched earth and just destroy all life, and next year I'm going to start over again. And it's like, that's not exactly the permaculture way, but that is kind of an ag way, that's kind of a farm way, and it's like the word farm, to me, kind of has a little bit of that residue on it, no matter how permaculture you do it. Yeah, I, I I use both. Um, I think that what, what you're saying about applying the word permaculture gardens to what we're doing here makes so much sense. And I, I do think of growing um, growing vegetables even on a market garden as gardening. Um, I tend to use both, and it, it has to do with who I'm talking to. Um, if, if they're not in the agriculture community, if they don't have ag experience, using the word farm... It, it's sort of just like this br- blanket thing for like growing food and hanging out. Um, whereas if you think about gardening, oftentimes people imagine like a, a small space. Um, so I use the word farm because it's like this is my identity and this is all I do is is managing this land. Um, and I, I think of that as farming. However, when I'm talking to uh, to people who who are farmers, um, I tend to use the word garden. And I, I like referring my, to myself as a farmer because I think it's good to develop kinship with the agricultural community. Um, even though, you know, we do very different things, we have completely different perspectives, uh, they do understand um, plants and production in a way that allows them to, to, like, see the kinship, even if I say the word garden. Um, so that's, that's how I think about it. Do you have anything, Jennifer? Um, yeah, I would agree with the framework you laid out. Like, I will use farm to refer to something that's primary function is commercial production, um, garden to something that's more personal and might perhaps produce a surplus that then is sold. Um, and, like, on my property, the ranch was there for commercial purposes. That was my living. And so 
even if I managed it as much as possible using organic methods, mob grazing, permaculture, and so far as I could transition it to that, um, it was managed much less intensively, and I would say in a less ecologically sound manner than my gardens and orchards and, you know, forest gardens that I was developing there. Um, so it was definitely a different relationship and motivation for those two portions of what I was doing. How many acres were on the ranch? Uh, 550. So, yeah, that's what this, that's, I mean, I, uh, where I was living with my granddad, we had 500 acres. So it's like about the same size. So I, I seeing into my head right now, just mm-hmm. ding, there it is. And it's like, um, uh, at the same time, it's like if you've got a half an acre for a garden, then there's a certain kind of thing that you do for that half an acre for a garden. You have a more intimate relationship with that half an acre. Absolutely. But when you've got 500 acres, it's kind of like... And it's like, oh, we've got a, we've got a uh, napweed. You probably didn't have napweed, but here we have napweed. But it, like, uh, and in fact, when I was young, I never even heard of napweed yet. Right. And it's kind of like, but <clears throat> if we have a napweed problem, and you're looking at 500 acres of napweed, very unlikely that one person's going to go out there and pull it. Right. And so it's kind of like, um, all right, what's, what do you do? And so suddenly. But it is possible for one person to go out and spray it. Exactly. And so that temptation is there. And it's kind of like, now Now my general philosophy set is, is that when you have one person managing 500 acres, which if you're going to be raising cattle, you need acreage. Right. I mean, it's like you can't do it on a half an acre. You can't, without imports anyway, you know, right. which is a different, whole different problem. Totally. And so it's kind of like when I first bought the property and um, Mark Vandermeer was out here and he was like, he pointed at some napweed. And we don't have much napweed on the lab. Right. There's just, but there are some patches of it, which, by the way, is great for the honeybees. I love it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's like three se- or three months of, of uh, nectar flow. But uh, uh, it makes an extremely high quality honey. But, all right, setting, setting that aside, he would point at a patch of napweed and say, you know, he would... He would, first he would say that he sprays yeah. because he's managing these huge 20,000 acre plots and stuff. He sprays. And it's like, so what are you going to do, Mr. I don't spray? And I said, every patch of napweed, that's where I want to plant a permy. And then once it's there, zone one, because like here, here, this was when we got here, here at base camp, um, the napweed was so thick that Jocelyn's legs were just covered in these bizarre rashes from the napweed and her arms were covered in the rashes from pulling it. But it's like, do you see any napweed next to the house now? No, not much. Zone one, zone one, because there's a permy. Right. And it's like, uh, so anyway, uh, I think, all right, <clears throat> farm versus permaculture garden. So I just wanted to just throw that in there really quick. I'm glad I seem to have universal agreement that of, of like this general vibe of shooting for permaculture gardens instead of permaculture farm. And um, yeah, this is, a, this is a new thing to me, and I'm trying it on for size, and I'm feeling really good about it. Next item on my list. Um, if you've got a brand new property and um, it has no permaculture stuff going on and the previous owners probably did not have uh, 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 permaculture values, 
Which, by the way, that was one of my criteria for buying property, is I needed it to be infested with weeds. I needed it to be just, just covered in weeds. And the weeds are what others would call out of control. I, that's what I needed. Because um, that's, that's an indicator that there are not persistent herbicides. But, all right, you've got this brand new property, and let's say it's covered in weeds. And so, um, and you're going on to woof, and you're like, I'm opening myself up to woofers. Now, of course, the woofers are going to be looking for a place where there's established systems. And um, they're, they're, you know, they want to be part of this plethora of life that already exists, and it's, they're going to do an immersion experience in this plethora of life. And you don't have that. You've got to build your infrastructure, and you got to like, you know, plant the initial garden, which of course has to be fenced off, or you're just feeding the wildlife, and and you need to maybe, you know, if you're going to keep some people around for a while, you need to provide some hippie habitat, probably something more than a tent, and uh, so you're going to be feeding these people by buying the food, and um, now on Mount Spokane, I ended up offering a stipend, which of course I already told you. Um, a whole bunch of people didn't show up to collect the stipend, and so. Um, but uh, how familiar how familiar are you guys with uh, stipends being offered for WIF projects? Anybody? Mm-mm. Nothing. No one. No one's ever seen it. Never I, seen it. I haven't seen it on WIF lately. But when I first started with WOOF, I saw several farms doing that. There is in the FAQs about, excuse me, that this is not a monetary-based system. Excuse me. In the, uh, it just blatantly says you don't get money for this. Yeah. Yeah, I think. think So that's actually part of the infrastructure of WOOF that is not a paid position. Now, like Josiah said, this could be like gaining experience, and the farm says, hey. You know, you want to stop being a woofer and you want to live here and work here, I'll pay you kind of thing. I think that's different, but not at the get-go. Yeah. So now I think that that has something to do, like there's been a change at work. And I think it has to do with the legality stuff. Because, of course, as as much as like what we've discussed, if you just think you're getting free labor, and it's, it's like not going to be that way at all. Um, but on the other and on the other hand, the people that are running conventional farms are kind of like, look at those guys; they're getting free labor, and so then they're trying to, you know, legally shut down Woof. And I think Woof is getting the shit beat out of it by these legal entities. And um, I think part of it is is that they've got to say like, you cannot pay because the their their wording is very careful, and it's kind of like um, this is this is an opportunity for you to go and um, build experiences someplace. This is not a job. This is not a thing where you get paid. This is a a thing where you get to visit another culture and participate in um, something. I know that uh, uh, Jocelyn um, does bookkeeping for a whole bunch of farms, and there was some farm where it was like um, they were saying, hey, come on out and put in a half a day of help with us in the fields, and and, and you'll just go ahead and grab a box and take home a bunch of produce. And um, apparently the law came down hard on that farm for doing that. Mm -hmm. And it's basically like, if you have these people coming onto your farm and you are compensating them with produce, that is pay. 
Now let's talk about minimum wage. Let's talk about workers' comp. Let's talk about getting all your paperwork. You know, are they an undocumented worker or a documented worker? And so it's like, and so basically they stopped doing it. And they're like, and they thought it was a cool and fun thing. Come on out, have an experience. You know, we'll all do it together. And then at the end of the day, take home some produce. It'll be cool. And it's like, you know, the government stepped in and said, fuck that. No, no. No. And it's like, so, all right. And I think Woof is kind of going through some similar shit. Yeah. And it's like, so Woof is, I think everything on their site is now worded extremely carefully, and I'm probably screwing it all up. So, you know, don't go by my words. you got to go by the words on Woof. And uh, it's some kind of carefully worded, you get to visit. It's a, you're a visitor. You're, a, you're visiting your new... Uh, organic buddies. That's what it is. This is this is about this is about dating. <laughs> this isn't this, this is not a work exchange. No, 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 no. This is dating. You wanna if you're dating these people, don't you wanna like you know groove with them, do things with them, do what? Feed them. <laughs> That's right. It's part of the dating process. Yeah. Here have a little food. We're dating. This isn't a funded relationship that we're not prostitutes no we're dating it's free <laughs> compensated dating is also illegal <laughs> 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 all right <clears throat> so uh next next item um uh, woof site verification we had somebody come from woof they came here because we've got a little bit of a listing out on woof and so somebody came out here to verify that we're for realsies and so um they came they were here for a couple of hours i think fred gave them a quick tour and um they were kind of like i think and then i think they were called a woof ambassador Ambassador. yeah you're you've been through this thing. i have i'm a verified farm okay. or actually i'm a human being <laughs> <laughs> i have a verified farm okay all right so they came out they they interviewed me they checked the living facilities and the expectations and that there was educational opportunities and not just uh slave labor yeah. so it was a it was a good experience mm. i wanted to be the ambassador but I never replied. I didn't want it that bad. <laughs> so, um, all right. Next item on my list is um, at least six woofers. So when I've presented on a variety of different things, and I'm, and I'm presenting and I'm talking about woof, one of the points I always make is that you should always try to have at least six woofers on site at one time. Um, I think I've mentioned this here a few times. Um, and everybody's looking at me like, I don't know, what the fuck is this all about? Yeah, where are you pulling this out of? <laughs> so um, I, I kind of feel like, so let's, let's suppose I'm going to take Josiah. So you've got experience being a woofer as well as, as I know, uh, managing. managing workers. Yeah. But yeah. did you manage woofers? Yes. Okay, yes. All right. Um, what if you were to come here and Fred's not even in the equation? It's just me and Jocelyn and you. Um, so this gets into like, you know, do you have an environment that people want to hang out in? If, if you and Jocelyn are really cool, then it's like, oh, yeah, I want to hang out with these folks. But if you're like, you know, stubborn, old, cantankerous farmers who have been living out in the middle of nowhere for 50 years because you don't get along with people, then, you know, it makes it really difficult to be a solo woofer 
in an environment like that because because of the isolation. Um, and so I, I, maybe that's what you're getting at is if there's a bunch of if there's a bunch of woofers, then it's like there becomes more of a community aspect. There's more of a social and uh, social engagement for me as a woofer. If there's if there's others, as well as um, you know camaraderie in in the workday and uh, you know gain deficiencies in cooking for each other. I know I don't cook for myself. I cook for other people. You know, so it's yeah. Thanks for breakfast this morning, by the way. That was yeah, good. Thank yeah. you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, is, is that what you're getting at? What I'm yeah I'm kind of getting at is that like so for example I know that I'm working. 12 hours a day um, pretty much exclusively in my office mm-hmm. and um, and so then it's kind of like the the best I'd be able to do is to say like okay Josiah go out there and build the berm shit okay I'll, I'll wait here well, actually I won't wait I'll, I'll be here working on like you know permies and all the you know trying to get money come on money come on money money and so um, but anyway the key is is that and then while Jocelyn works all day too mm-hmm. then it's like you're kind of on your own and even in the evenings I'm oftentimes still working right. and um, but but now like right now there's a whole bunch of people and it's like everybody can sit down at the table and you guys you guys are in here laughing and having a great time while I'm working in my office by myself and I can hear you having fun <laughs> so but anyway I think I think it's important like Six is a magic number. Like when you have six people, suddenly it's um, this is this is your your group, your team, your collection, your friends, whatever. Right. It's a it's a bunch of people instead of like you're all by yourself. You know, now go cook your damn food. Right. It's, a, it's a lonely existence. Probably a whole lot of cross training that would happen if you you know if you had six at a time. You probably there won't be it won't be very often that you have zero. You know, it'll it'll drop down, but then more people. Will show up and then right. um, and so you'll have the the woofers who are there to thank for indoctrinating the the new woofers and in habits and and what the workday might be like and um, attitudes and where things are and so that, that takes a little bit of burden off of the host um, they become sort of self-governing entity so I kind of feel like we need to create an environment to facilitate six or more people and we want to try and hit that minimum of six so I have a slightly different I don't disagree with what you're saying but when I had three woofers who all came together which is one thing to note and were worse than average human beings I think which is another but tell us how you really feel but three was too many for me like maybe one of them I could have kept under control but like the three of them together just sort of became this little band of opposition that would decide to go do other things than what I wanted them to do, or they would sort of talk to each other and become angry about things that I didn't know about until there was this united front of anger presented to me. And so... I mean, maybe if they had come from different places, like there had been woofers who were there first that like could indoctrinate the new woofers, it might be good. But I definitely think if I had had six woofers of the caliber that I had, I would probably now be in 
you know, Tahiti or something. Prison. 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 Yeah, prison. <laughs> yeah, actually, prison. That's prison, the that's yeah. the correct option. And it would have been totally worth it. Yeah. <laughs> it almost was. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, well, no. Well, Texas. You probably wouldn't be in prison. They'd be dead, and they'd come clean up the bodies and be like, you're a good Texan for shooting those hippies. I mean, it, it probably legally would have been totally fine, but, like, I... No, no, I just wanted them to go by the end after they, like, chainsawed the house I let them live in. But, um, yeah, it was bad. But they're gone now, and no woofers were harmed at any point. But now, but now you've been here when we've had many more than three sure. people, and, and I mean, like, it, you have not experienced that. Right. Well, I mean, I think there's been a lot of trial and error here. You have a manager, and you have a staggered group of boots. Like, they didn't all come together. So I think, like, it could definitely work better with six, but I don't think in some cases that, like, more of the problematic ones would somehow be better, you know? Okay. Yeah. Yeah, because if because we've had people here before that were problematic. Right. And and then it takes a while, and because at first you're kind of like, well, maybe that was just a a bad day, mm-hmm. and and well, maybe that was just four bad days, yeah. and then and then after a while it's like, it's it's time for you to go. Yeah. But but sometimes it takes a while mm-hmm. until you kind of get to the point of like, you know, I don't think it was a fluke or a boo boo or something. Right. I think this person is like, you know, and so it's, and and the thing that we say is um, uh, uh, it's like you're welcome to leave anytime you want and we're welcome to ask you to leave anytime we want and and so but I think that there's some of that and we I think during the whole time you've been here I don't think we've asked anybody to leave Mm-mm. yeah no we, we haven't well and one other aspect I think that makes it kind of difficult to make that call is I at least when I was envisioning this whole experience thought that you know we were going to really like each other like that we were gonna, me and oh, the yeah, wolfers yeah, like yeah. that we were going to have similar values and they would think that i was cool and the things i was doing were cool and like they'd want to hang out and learn how to do those things and then they didn't think that at all like i was this just avatar of like uncoolness and and hard work in a way that they didn't like and they just resented me entirely and so that lingering feeling that like no it could have been cool made it hard for me to pull the plug until things got pretty bad I think the thing I want to try to point out is like I I think that um that is a that is certainly a thing that can happen, and that kind of thing is the kind of thing we've seen some of. And then, much like what you did, is we sent those people down the road. It's not a fit. Our values right. are not similar. And I I work really hard to try to project what are our values, what are my values, right. and uh, so that way people can you know. And then the Fouches have a lot to say about my values. Right. And I feel like therefore the only only people that show up are the people that have, you know, examined my values and found it's a match. So in contrast to your experience, which we had some of that in the past, 
than um, your experience here now yeah. as part of the boot camp, which is kind of like it smells a little woofish. Right. Then um, I th- I'm I'm going to imagine it's night and day. Oh yeah, D- night and day for sure. It, this is nothing at all like that was. Uh, this is cool. I like it. Yeah, and so I mean, and, and when all right. Lots and lots more to say down down that road, but um, we're past time, and I wanted to say anything else that anybody feels the need to say about it, I've got the note, at least six woofers, and we'll, we'll close theirs. Um, uh, my particular farm, due to circumstances beyond my control from the mass hole, um, I can only have people within the farmhouse now. So we can get into that at a later date. <clears throat> but I cannot have six people. <clears throat> Excuse me. I lost my voice. I found it. Um, I cannot have six people realistically at the farm. But I, two to three is enough. Um, my farm's only six acres, so it's not huge. Mm-hmm. But um, it's enough. Two to three quality people is enough to, to get things done. Mm-hmm. Six would be too many because I do a lot of cooking. Okay. And I don't want to be trapped into just cooking for people all the time. And that's what I had done at the beginning. Okay. I've had up to eight. And it doesn't work. Okay. Okay. I, well, I, I don't know. I mean, six is, six is a great number. But I also think that, like, four is fine, too. Yeah. Um, as long as there's... As long as they're not alone, I think you're you're gonna have some of the camaraderie and um, you know overlapping uh, time periods, and I think that that's that's good. But six six is great. I think four is probably fine. And <clears throat> I've got one last thing to add to this, and that is that, um, and I'm gonna I'm going to break this down by gender for just a moment, and that is that. Uh, I think that a lot of times there'll be a, there'll be guys, young men, 20 years old, and then they'll be in a wolf situation. And then when it gets to be about the six week mark, then it's kind of like, and if you know, let's say that uh, their romantic life isn't going the way they would like, then they say, I have to go <laughs> I just have to I have to go to it's time for me to go to the next farm uh, I found a farm that has 12 people at it right now and I've decided to go there um, and so everybody's laughing so you know exactly what I'm trying to say yeah yep. yeah yep. <laughs> Jennifer <laughs> Do you have anything to add? Well, just that Paul got the six-week number for me. That was my estimate. No, I had the six-week number before I met you. I don't believe you because we had a conversation about backpacking, long-distance backpacking, and I threw out the six-week number. And I thought thought of that when you did. I thought that's validation. Oh, this is another Uh, one of the concurrent. Okay, so we agree. I've been out out here in the wilderness for six weeks Mm -hmm. is what uh, your 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 story was running into these guys that I've been out here for six weeks and they kind of got this look of like uh, a, a look that's like probably not an appealing look. Right. No, it's not super appealing. Like the one I always remember when I think about this is like we had never met before. He passed me on the trail. He turned around and walked backwards and said like, hey, I hear they've got private rooms in the next hostel. <laughs> <laughs> like, who are you? 
<laughs> okay, I see. So, um, uh, I think that there is something to be said for that. And when you've got six, then it's like hopefully that kind of thing will get sorted out, you know, a bit or something. Maybe not. Um, but um, uh, it does seem like I've seen a fair bit of that. A guy will be here. Everything will be fine. And then... I need to go. <laughs> so, all right, all right. Um, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna end it there unless anybody's got anything else about at least six woofers. And nothing else. We're all good. If you like this sort of thing, come on out to the forums at permies.com where we talk about woofing, homesteading, and permaculture all the time. This podcast is continued. In part three. Don't forget, go out to patreon.com slash Paul Wheaton and make a pledge for future artifacts.